So welcome to episode 16 of the ESPN Player College Football Podcast alongside myself, Simon Clancy, uh, the Gridiron Editor, Matthew Sherry. Matthew, happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to all our listeners. Hope you uh, got what you wanted from Santa Claus. Matt, Santa is also about to deliver a second set of presents um, for the college football fan. Uh, the sort of We're reaching sort of peak bowl game status now, aren't we? The, the games are coming thick and fast. And then tomorrow night, so we are recording now on Friday lunchtime, sort of mid-morning, Friday the 28th. And tomorrow night is the college football playoff. We shall get to that. Oklahoma uh, and Alabama, number four, Oklahoma, number one, Alabama, number two, Clemson, number three, Notre Dame. We shall get to that and the excitement surrounding that uh, shortly. But Matt, good Christmas. A great Christmas. How was yours, mate? Very, it was, good. Uh, Very good. It was nice and relaxed, which is what you want. Absolutely. Uh, in next week's episode, we will, or the next episode, we will shall talk a little bit about some of the um, some of the other games around New Year's Day, including Michigan State, Oregon, Missouri, Oklahoma State, LSU, UCF. Um, but some big news, if you follow the NFL and you follow the draft, big news out of Oregon is that Justin Herbert, the likely sort of top three, top five overall pick uh, in April's draft, the quarterback from Oregon, has decided to stay uh, in uh, in Eugene with Mario Cristobal's team. His brother, a freshman tight end, a very highly recruited freshman tight end, um, is going to play uh, for the Ducks next season, which obviously weighed into his decision. Uh, your thoughts on that, Matt? Because it was sort of split 50-50. People weren't sure which way it was going to go, but the, the the pull of his brother did seem to be something that was going to lure him back, and it seems as though uh, brotherly lovers won out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we'd heard basically the whole season this was this was what was going to happen, but then it felt like after the season ended, maybe he'd started to get his head turned a little bit by the... By the prospect, in my opinion, of being the first overall pick, which I, I genuinely believe he would have been had he come out. Um, so I'm at, for that reason, I'm a little bit surprised, simply because, and you've you've mentioned this on our Twitter account site, um, you know, next year's quarterback draft class, especially with Herbert in there now, but even before that, is going to be potentially one of the greatest quarterback drafts that we've ever seen. And we've we've said that a year out before and it hasn't really materialised, but I actually do think it will next year. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys in next year's class who, if they came out now, would be in the top five of this draft. And, yeah. and it feels like they're not as... You know, we've seen in the past guys like Matt Barkley, who was the year Andrew Luck came out was seen as a potential top five pick and then had a terrible last year at USC and it never worked out. I don't necessarily see that happening with any of the guys at the top of next year's draft. So in terms of his draft status, it's massively surprising because if next year's a great draft, this one is the opposite of that in which, I mean, you would say maybe maybe Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke are the only other guys who are probably going to be in the first round. So. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And I think if obviously Dwayne Haskins has got a big decision to make. He's only played this season. Uh, Drew Locke, obviously, a very interesting senior out of Missouri. Um, remains to be seen just where the NFL rates him. Obviously, big arm. He's going to need to be a sort of a, you know, you're going to very much need to build a system around him. He does have some issues, some sort of brain fart type issues, but there is a, you do get a sort of sense of Brett Favre, a little bit of Brett Favre about him. There's a kid at North Dakota State called Easton Stick, um, who I think is yep. very well worth keeping an eye on. I, I think he will push potentially into the top 60, maybe even into the top 40 um, when it comes to draft day. There's a, there's a quarterback spot being held open by the senior bowl. And I think they were hoping that Justin Herbert would fill that. 
now that he's not going to fill it, one wonders whether or not Stick will take that. He's going to go play in the, the East-West Shrine game. Um, I, I think he will move significantly up the charts. Um, but like and, say, and obviously Kyler Murray as well. If obviously, he, he would be the other. Um, and we'll get to Kyler Murray shortly, obviously, when we talk about the playoff. But like you say, next year, you know, headed up by the two kids in, from the SEC, two Tunga Vailoa of, of Alabama and Jake Fromm of Georgia, and then closely followed, you'll see, obviously, by Justin Herbert. And then a kid I really like out of Utah State, Jordan Love. Um, he is going to be a very, very high pick. He is a um, he is a supremely gifted quarterback. Uh, you don't really see much of him because obviously Utah State play on the West Coast, so they obviously play very late or very early on a Sunday morning. Um, you know, three thirty, two thirty, three thirty time. That you know, so so I, I think fans in this country, certainly the UK, don't don't get to see him as much. Certainly, East Coast college football fans don't really know a lot about him. But you will you will learn learn the name Jordan Love because you'll be seeing a lot of him next season. I think you know in the future in the NFL. Then you, you've got guys like Jacob Eason, haven't you? From you know the transfer, he'll he'll replace uh, uh, Jake Browning at Washington. Um, Shay Patterson. You know what? What becomes a Shea Patterson? You know, in yeah. Terms I mean, of Patterson, Patterson. Patterson's an interesting one. I mean, he's. I don't think he looks like an NFL quarterback at the minute, but he's got some tools to work with, hasn't he? Quick release, yeah. and that's a thing that people look for. I mean, it's interesting. I'd, what What would you have done, say, si, if you were Herbert? Well, I, I love the fact that he's. I love the fact that he isn't afraid of from and of um, of Tungavailoa. Uh, and love and those guys I, I, I like that um, and look Matt Leinert said it perfectly didn't he Matt Leinert had the chance to come out and be the number one overall pick he decided to stay at USC uh, I, you know who can blame a kid for wanting just to be a kid the, the dream of wanting to play with his brother you know they've, they've already said that they're not going to redshirt his brother um, you know the downside is obviously injury the downside is loss of form the downside is potentially falling out of the first round but, you know, you, you back yourself, don't you? And I, I, I applaud the fact that he's backed himself. I personally, I think, probably would have come out. Um, I think the chance to be the number one overall pick, which he would have, like you say, I'm, I'm almost sure he would have been him or Nick Boza. Um, but it does leave a very interesting pathway for Haskins, for Drew Locke, and most notably for Kyler Murray, because Kyler Murray will become the signature discussion point of the 2019 NFL draft if he decides to sperm baseball uh, and come to the NFL. How tall will he measure? Some people say he'll only be 5'10", which would make him significantly the smallest quarterback in the NFL behind 5'11", Russell Wilson, and 6'0", Drew Brees, uh, and Baker Mayfield. You look at his ability to... You know, what he does best is manipulate the pocket, and he does so behind the best offensive line in football, led by Drew Samir, the, the right guard. Um, you know, so he... You know, he would get a pounding at the NFL level and he is very slight, but he is accurate. He has a he has a big arm and obviously he's very mobile, but he's not Russell Wilson physically, is he, Matt? I mean, he, you know, Russell Wilson no. is a big human being. You get up, you get up close to Russell Wilson and he's a big guy. Kyle Murray is very slight. So you do have to wonder about the pounding he would take. But I think a team will take him in the first round if he does declare for the NFL draft. I, I, I just think, you know, his... his his talent and his ability is just too good. His playmaking ability, and I think it will be fascinating to see if he does tear up Alabama, even in a even in a losing, um, you know, in a losing outing uh, in, in the semi final. I, I I think what will happen is that you know, like I said, you've got the best offensive line in college football up against a very good defensive line, so they should be able to control Raquan Davis and Quinn and Williams and and those guys if they allow him the time. I think that that secondary of, of Alabama is vulnerable. You know, Hollywood Brown will be back, and you know you could see Kyler Murray again, even in a losing effort, 
really pushing his his you know top ten, top fifteen potential. It only takes one team to to not to worry about the fact that he's five ten and not to worry about the fact that he's slight. Uh, and I think that you know, I think that somebody will take it, off the board. It it only takes three teams, two or three teams to to fall in love, and then suddenly he's a he's a top five pick Absolutely. as well. Because then <clears throat> then the jostling for position to get him start, you, you're willing to you, you're willing to to take him ten places higher if you think it means you're going to get him. I mean, and I think that's what would happen. I really do. I mean, the thing with Murray for me is it's it's a plus accuracy and arm yep. talent I mean you know people can fall in love with the speed and the, the speed is astonishing I mean I've never seen yep. a guy run away from defenders like him but you know this kid his arm talent is is his first overall pick level yep. you know if he was six foot two he would be oh, the first overall pick guaranteed so of course he would it, it's it's a fascinating <laughs> one and I personally think he wants to play football as well based too. on keeping his options open and you know if he wants to play football and I had to place a bet right now I would say he'd be selected in the top 10 yeah the draft. I mean you look at the teams that will be looking for a quarterback come come next April so you look at the New York Giants would the New York Giants have selected Justin Herbert I, I absolutely think they would have selected Herbert will they select Drew Drew um will they select uh, Dwayne Haskins I I think probably they will uh, and I think you've got a you know an offensive minded coach in Pat Shermer um, I think you could probably bridge Eli Manning for another year, potentially, if you wanted to do that. Then you look at a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Would the Jacksonville Jaguars take Kyler Murray? I, I, I think they're unlikely to, because I just don't think that Tom Coughlin is that kind of guy. Do you know what I mean? I just don't think he... Yeah, he's more likely to take a, a Haskins type. Yeah, absolutely. Ghost, now, would, now would he take a Drew Locke, for example? You know, I am... Um, yeah, you I know, think so. I think that might be a, a path that, that they go down in terms of... You know, in terms of um, in terms of the quarterback that they're looking for stylistically, because obviously they're going to re- you know they're going to replace Blake Bortles. There is you know there's no doubt about that. Now you know, look at some of the other teams that Cincinnati Bengals. Will they carry on with Andy Dalton? It's it's a difficult one. Um, you know, just going through the list here, the Denver Broncos. You could you know John Elway. You could see John Elway taking a, a, a kid like a kid like that but they've paid an awful lot of money for Case Keenum obviously haven't they and you know yeah that's a that's a, a big issue the Oakland Raiders you know people talked about oh Derek Carr would be on the move well you know you look at Derek Carr actually the back end of the, the second half of the season really Derek Carr has played really well actually yeah uh, it seems to have... and, and you've I think you're starting to see there that you know Gruden's ripped it up and started again, but you're almost starting to see the the fruits of that in the second half of the season because they've been as competitive as any team in football Absolutely. the last six weeks. Absolutely. So um, Detroit, you look at Matthew Stafford. What's the situation with Matthew Stafford? There's there's talk about him moving on, but I don't really see him as a Matt Patricia kind of guy. So that leaves two teams for me, really, that realistically you could look at needing quarterbacks, one of whom is the Miami Dolphins and the other is the Washington Redskins. Now, what about the Patriots? Um, maybe the Patriots. Maybe the Patriots. You just wonder whether or not... Yeah, I mean, the Patriots is an interesting one. But you look at... A, they need to start <coughs> thinking about it. They, they absolutely I mean, do. They, can't, they absolutely they can't do. can't go on forever. I wonder whether or not there are... Yeah, I, I wonder whether... Uh, and I'm not a fan, but I wonder whether systematically somebody like Will Greer does fit New England in terms of just the ability to do what he does and the ability that New England has almost better than anybody else to build a system to somebody's strengths do you know what I mean in terms of yeah you know and it, look every quarterback in the NFL is a system quarterback because that's 
the way that they they work. Tom Brady is a system quarterback. He just works in a system that works perfectly for his phenomenal skill set. That's why he's either one one A or one B, however you want to look at it, in terms of greatest quarterbacks of all time. Because New England have absolutely maximised his skill set by understanding what works best and what makes him, you know, probably the greatest of all time. That's you know, so that's what you've got to try and do. Everything is a projection in terms of, you know, when you and if you're not a fan of the draft and you wonder how it works. You know, it's about finding how these kids fit into the system that you have, and that's what not enough teams do. Absolutely, or it's yeah, absolutely, or it's rejigging your system if you're going to bring in a quarterback to make sure that 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 player fits your system. So you know, you look at a team like the Miami Dolphins. You know, the team that I follow. It looks likely that Ryan Tannehill this will be his last game on Sunday. You look at at a guy like Teddy Bridgewater uh, as a free agent they were interested interested in last year, and you wonder whether or not you bring in Bridgewater and then you draft Kyler Murray, and therefore you have a bridge, if you'll pardon the pun, Bridgewater to Mm. Murray. You know, working with an Adam Gaze if if Gaze does stay, and and Gaze then very much has his quarterback that he can mould. There are. You know, you, you look at the same in Washington. Now, will Jay Gruden stay on? I think it's probably unlikely. I think I suspect Gruden will get the the elbow, but they are obviously looking for a quarterback. Would Kyler Murray, given what happened with RG three, would would that be a path that they want to go down? I kind of feel like it isn't. But there is going to be a team out there that falls in, and it could be New England, it could be Miami, you know, it could be one of those teams where it could be Cincinnati. You know, is Marvin Lewis going to stay? And if not, who would be the guy that they brought? You know, would it be Hugh Jackson? That I mean, that would be hilarious, but. You know, Hugh would. You know, Hugh and his knowledge of Oklahoma quarterbacks and his his knowledge with with Lincoln Riley. He will he will understand Kyler Murray having worked with somebody who came out of the exact same system. You know, in Baker Mayfield. So it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Anyway, we digress massively. Let us get to um, two very interesting uh, games of college football, which we will be able to you will be able to see on ESPN Player over the next couple of days. The first up, Matt, is one of the most interesting games, I think, of the entire uh, the entire schedule, which is um, the Alamo Bowl, uh, Washington State, number 12 Washington State, against number 24 Iowa State. Uh, two really good coaches that we, we both like very much, Mike Leach's Washington State against uh, Matt Campbell's Iowa State. What are you looking for in this game? Because, you know, you've got some really fascinating players. You've got Gardner Minshew against Brock Purdy. Purdy, the, the, the freshman sensation. You've got David Montgomery, the, 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 the great Iowa State running back who should be going to the NFL. Hakeem Butler, uh, potentially a first-round pick wide receiver. Um, Desmond Patman, obviously, the receiver for, for Washington State. And James Williams in the backfield, 16 touchdowns this season. Plus Mike Leach's kind of innovation. It should be a fascinating matchup, shouldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I'm just seeing on the on the internet here that you can get tickets for this game for as little as eleven dollars. So if anyone get, is anywhere near San Antonio, <laughs> let's go. Do it. I'm tempted to book a flight. I mean, if it wasn't <laughs> in twelve hours' time, I probably would. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I just think it's going to be an awesome game. You know, a lot of the time these bowl games, it's it's about rankings and. And you don't necessarily get the quality of contest that you want. I think this one, you will get it. You've got Iowa State, who are just a well-rounded team, who are very well coached, against Mike Leach's Washington State, who had the best season under Leach this year, as much as it ended in, in huge disappointment with that Apple Cup loss to Washington. You know, Gardner Minshew is one of the best stories I've seen in college football in the last 10 years. And you... You're getting one season of that story playing out in Washington State, and and it would be nice to see him sign off a a wonderful season in which he was, you know, he was in the in the Heisman conversation for a lot of the year. He finished fifth in the overall in the Heisman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it would just be nice to see him sign off with a, with a good performance in what should be a, an outstanding matchup. I mean, I, I often feel like a lot of these bowl games flatter to deceive, but this one, in theory, should be a fantastic game. I mean, it, it's just one that you want to watch. We've talked about some of the freshman quarterbacks this year. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence has sort of dominated, but Purdy is a very interesting character, isn't he? Turned down Alabama to come to Iowa State has really worked well in the system we talk about systems just a minute ago but he's really worked well and and looks like he has some high level potential moving forwards yeah i mean i think iowa state generally are just a program on the up obviously you know guys like montgomery are not going to be around for any longer but you just feel like dan campbell's really building something there i mean he is the guy i still think he Matt might campbell. be top Matt Campbell, Dan Campbell. Important they keep Dolphins hold of him, though, isn't it? Really important. They yeah, keep well, hold of him. Th- that's it, because I think he is the guy who, um, of all of these coaches in college, he might be the one who more transfers to the NFL. As much as people mm. want to suggest that the NFL now needs to go in and get the Lincoln Rileys of the world, actually, I think Matt Campbell is the kind of you know, overall pitcher type guys, an offensive guy as well, so he brings an element of that. But he seems to be to be a pure head coach in terms of he's got his fingerprints all over that programme. So I, I I'm fascinated to see him in a matchup like this against another great coach opposite because I, I genuinely believe this is a guy who's gonna be an an NFL head coach at some point. So but you would hope and, and I would think that having got the quarterback in place, I think he rides it out for another two or three years and, and within that I think Iowa State become a team in in the uh, in the Big Twelve who who could really cause some problems mm. and actually go out and win the division in the next couple of years. Nobody wants to go to Ames to play, do they? I mean, nobody wants to have a road trip to there, and uh, you know they don't want to see that on their schedule at all, do they? Iowa State at uh, you know at home is not a game you want to you want to be scheduling if you have a national championship um, aspirations, is it? No, we've seen that the last couple of years. I mean, against Oklahoma, against teams, you know, they've beaten big teams year in and year out and it feels it just feels like they're on the precipice of something really yeah. special there potential road trip destination for us next year as well by the way absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's certainly in the plan um, speaking of Matt Campbell and potential NFL coaches just a very quick line last night's um, Texas Bowl Baylor beat Vanderbilt the, the turnaround that that Baylor have had uh, and specifically with uh, a man that we featured um, you know in our in our season preview Coach really isn't it? Matt, Matt Rule uh, has just done a phenomenal job turning that turning the bears around hasn't he incredible and i mean you know everybody saw it coming nfl team saw it coming mm. that's why i was interviewed for the colts job and, and i think a couple of other jobs last season and that was after i think they were one and nine one and ten last year so you know people look at what he's done in, in his past at temple and and now what he's doing at Baylor, and he's another guy who you know Baylor maybe don't want to hear it but the, i could say matt rule more than Maybe Matt Campbell. I could see Rule darting to the NFL quicker. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he gets a, an NFL job. And this is if he wants it, because I, I think he would be offered one potentially this year, but it's just a, a matter of whether he wants it. But he is another guy, similar to what I was saying with Matt Campbell, what's so appealing about Rule is, if you look at his coaching background, he's coached offence, he's coached defence, he's, he's another guy. I mean, everybody looks now for these offensive coordinator types like Lincoln Riley, you know, for me, a good head coach, and this is what the the essence of our coaches' special magazine was about, Si, as much as we love Lincoln Riley. For me, the essence of a great head coach is somebody who has the overall picture of the programme. And it's very rare now that you find guys who haven't 
done the job who who have that. I mean, even guys who are very successful like Lincoln Riley. I mean, look at how bad Oklahoma's defense is. And at some point, you know, it's only been two years, but at some point you have to look at Lincoln Riley and say, well, you know, you are the head coach. Similar with, you know, even in the NFL, Sean McVay's managed to create a scenario where he's got a very strong veteran defensive quarter there. But at some point, he's going to have to have that overall picture as well. And there aren't many ready-made guys available who have that, but Rule seemed, seems to be one of those. Going back to our NFL quarterback talk, I think the other, the other guy who we probably missed out on, who could end up in the top 10, actually, um, is a guy who also played last night, and that's, that's Daniel Jones, Daniel of, Jones of Duke, yeah. who had 423 yards passing and five touchdowns. For, for, he doesn't have a big arm at all, but he's very he's he's a very heady quarterback. He's very intelligent, very football savvy. Obviously, comes out of that David Cutcliffe um, system. You know, he's very close with the Mannings. Has operated in the Manning camp. Um, I think certainly reading a, a number of people, such as Matt Miller and Daniel Jeremiah, on social media, saying that they've spoken to teams who have him in the first round. Um, I suspect he will be a first-round quarterback, and I wonder whether or not, as teams get a better look at him, whether or not, if he does declare, because he's a junior, um, whether or not he ends up top 15, top 10. I mean, could he even push his way into the top five? I mean, it will be interesting to see. I mean, he, like I said, he doesn't have a big arm. He's very mobile. I mean, bizarrely, he reminds me of an intelligent and football-savvy Ryan Tannehill in terms of not just not a, as good an arm, but far more intellectually football yeah. savvy Tannehill very intellectual guy wants to be a doctor um, but Daniel Jones has the real football intelligence that Tannehill lacks it'll be, be, be very great anticipation and, and all those kinds of traits it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up but also the, the testing in terms of that arm strength because it really isn't he really doesn't have a big arm at all that will be interesting to see um, see where that 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 finishes him up in terms of the draft. Duke obviously beating Temple 56-27 yesterday in their bowl game. Let's get to uh, the other the other sort of talking point, which is Florida against Michigan. Question for you as a Michigan fan, will this be Jim Harbaugh's last game as Michigan head coach? I, I, I don't think so at all. I mean, I know you've, I know you've suggested that on, on your video and stuff. I, I don't see it. I really don't. I mean, I think a lot of the Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan stuff is, is built around a lot of the things that Chris Carter said, and, and I'm fairly certain that most of that was said because he wanted to... I, I think a lot of it to do was to do with Zach Harrison, who ended up signing for Ohio State on recruiting day, having seemingly been leaning towards Michigan, despite living five minutes from Columbus. Um, I think most of that talk is manufactured by Ohio State people. I, I don't think for one minute he's leaving. I, I just don't see it. I mean... You know, there's there's some landing spots that make sense. I mean, the Dolphins make sense because Stephen Ross has a, mm. a relationship with him. I mean, obviously, Stephen Ross is heavily involved in the Michigan program as well, which actually makes me think maybe he wouldn't want to yeah. take him from the school. The New York Jets um, seem to be the one that, that, that most conversation is focusing on currently, but whether or not that will... Yeah, and they've got, they've got the young quarterback in place. I just don't see it. I don't see Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan until... Until either he wins a national championship or it becomes abundantly clear that's never going to happen. And I, I, don't, I don't think we're in that place yet. I mean, they've stacked up a great recruiting class this year. Um, certainly a top-end recruiting class by Michigan standards because Michigan, you know, there's only a certain calibre of guys they're willing to recruit in terms of academically. So anything that's top six, top seven, which this one is, is, is outstanding. 
you know, I, I just think the Arrows pointing up. They had a great season. They've got a great quarterback battle. Shea Patterson's coming back. I know from listening to a few of the insiders that, that the Michigan staff think that Joe Milton, last year's four-star kid, is going to be a first overall pick at quarterback as well. So, you know, it feels like finally now that the, the kind of building blocks of that program are in place for Harbour. They've had another double-digit win season. I just don't see it. I think the reason he went there is because he gets full control. You can't underestimate Si. We went to his, his primary school where Harbour stayed for a piece that was going to be written in the magazine that never happened. But, you, you know, you stand outside of that, that high school and you look across and you can see the big house. And that's what Jim Harbour's been around all of his life. I, I don't see for one minute him leaving. I really don't. I mean, if he does, fine. And... Frankly, I'm sure there's a, another coach that Michigan could get, but I just don't see it happening. You've got a number of players sitting out this game for Michigan. Um, yep. Notably, Rashan Gary, Devin Bush, uh, Juwan Bushel-Beatty, Karan Higdon, all sitting out in the Peach Bowl. Um, do you think that that will mean, does that make Florida favourite, given the number of players that, that Michigan won't be won't be playing? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, Gary has not played well all year, so I don't think he's a massive loss. I'm fascinated to see the draft process play out for him because I'm not convinced he's been healthy at all this season. He's either not been healthy or not interested, so it's one of two. It, I, I wouldn't rule out either, but certainly think it's more health-related. Winovich is going to play, and he's actually delaying surgery yeah. to play, which I think sums up the difference between those two players. And I know, Si, we spent 40 minutes with each of them and we'll we'll do a piece on that for the draft issue of the mag that people should definitely read. I think that'll be fascinating. But I don't think so. I mean, Higdon, Higdon's a loss, but, you know, Chris Evans is a is a, is a veteran back. I'm sure they'll be fine in that sense. I, I feel like, you know, Michigan's defence is still going to be really good in this game. All the defensive backs who potentially could declare are still going to play as well. Devin Bush is the, is the big loss, but... No, I think they'll be fine. Florida's the kind of offense that Michigan's defense will, will eat alive, I think. And I would I would think that Michigan's offense can can move the ball a little bit better. What's going to be fascinating to me is do we start to see a realization that they need to open up their offense and 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 lean a little bit more on what Shea Patterson is good at, which has been a a creative player and a, a guy who you you want running around and playing a bit of sandlot football rather than operating in a in a 1950s Russian attack. So that that to me is the most interesting thing about this game. Is the penny going to start to drop with the offensive side of the ball? But I would think Michigan, against that kind of offense that Florida have and, and against the, the quarterback in Felipe Franks, I think they'll I think they'll eat them alive. Briefly on this one, where where do you how do you sum up year one of the Dan Mullen? experience in Florida where, where, where are I think. they I, I think very good I mean the, where they're not doing so well is in recruiting um, I don't think their recruiting class has, has made much of an impact this this year I, I can't, I'm almost certain they're not in the top 20 so recruiting wise it hasn't been great but on the field I think it's been better than better than you could have ever hoped I mean he inherited a complete mess um, he's not really got a quarterback yet <laughs> which is what Dan Mullen builds his programs around, and yet they finish nine and three. I mean, 
you, you look at their losses, Kentucky early on in the season, that was a week two loss. I mean, that can happen. Georgia, that happens because Georgia were one of the best four teams in the country. And then Missouri was probably the disappointing one. But, you know, Missouri have a potential first-round pick at quarterback. I think it was... I think it was as good as you could have expected. When they lost in week two to Kentucky, I think we all thought this is going to be, you know, a five and five kind of season, something like that. But six and six, sorry, but it hasn't been. I mean, it's been. A, I think it's been an outstanding season for Mullen. Let's get to the playoff and let's start with Clemson against Notre Dame. And actually, historically, Matt, I can't think of too many times where where teams have changed quarterback midway through the season and gone on to be so successful as as both of these teams have because obviously Trevor Lawrence sort of shared starting duties with uh, with Kelly Bryant won the job Bryant transferred then you have um you had Ian Book who was obviously backing up Wimbush to start the season and then Wimbush got injured Book came in and did a phenomenal job and and, and kept the job and I can only really think of Troy Aikman I think when he broke his ankle back in the late 80s Jamel Holloway came in and as a freshman, and, and I think he was the first true freshman led led uh, led uh, led his team to the national championship. Um, then Tommy Frazier, did Frazier get a blood? Was it a blood clot? And then Brooks Berenger came in, and then Frazier came back for the for the title game against Miami. And then what three four years ago when Ohio, Ohio State lost Braxton Miller and J T Barrett, and then Cardell Cardell Jones yeah, led them to the national the championship. Um, so it, it hasn't happened very often. Where where do you see the path of these two? Because it's a fascinating matchup, isn't it? Because you know we've we've argued long and hard that you know probably Notre Dame isn't one of the best four teams, but actually, you know across the board they're a very solid team. They have solid players. Dex, you know Dexter Williams at running back. Book is a good quarterback. Defensively, they've got fascinating guys at all three levels. They are a well-rounded team. Clemson, on the other hand, you know they have. Um, you know they have Lawrence, they have Travis Etienne, they have that great defensive line. Although missing, missing Dexter Lawrence, who was suspended for the for the PED uh, situation that broke a couple of days ago. Trayvon Mullen back in the in the secondary. That the, there's lots of good players on that team. Where where do you see this one? Because it is a fascinating. The closer we get, the the tighter it seems to. Whether or not that's just the way that we're you know the excitement that that we're looking at it, or whether or not the inexperience of that Clemson offense, notably Lawrence, might just get to them. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I am so fascinated by this matchup, largely because I've never seen two unbeaten teams that I have less, I wouldn't say less faith in, but certainly less faith in their, what it's taken them to get to being unbeaten. I mean, because I wouldn't say either of them have proven a lot against top-tier competition at any point in the season. And the fascinating question to me is, are they going up in this game against top tier competition now? Because we don't really know with either of them. I, I would hazard a guess that Clemson definitely are because of the talent level. You know, T. Higgins, Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, their defence is loaded, particularly on the line. And and then Notre Dame, like you say, the, the more I look at the, the actual talent level on that team, I can see it. I mean, I can see the talent on the defence. You know, they've got... I think they could surprise people in the in the playoffs. I mean, you've you've got Tillery, Aquare mm. up front. You've got you've got guys on the back end. I mean, they've got a lot of good players. And actually, on offense as well, Notre Dame, they have some massive wide receivers. I mean, we're talking guys who can go up and get the ball. You know, book and throw them up there and, and back his guys to make plays. And and that's difficult, especially in big games against good teams, for anybody to do to to go against. I always think back to. 
that bizarre Joe Flacco Ravens Super Bowl mm. run where essentially he just threw the ball up to Anquan Bolden over and over again and it worked. I mean, you know, also Julian Love is probably, I think, the, yep. one of the best cornerbacks on the, in college football. I mean, you know, there's a lot of talent and I really like Ian Book as well. I mean, you need to see the Ian Book who first took over yeah, the job and not yeah. the guy who, who came back when was he came. slightly injured Absolutely. at the end of the season. Um, but, you know, they've had three, four weeks off, so the chances are we do. The other thing I would say is, barring the the national championship game where they were just going against an absolute juggernaut of, of an Alabama team and, frankly, probably shouldn't have been there themselves... Brian Kelly coaches well in big games. Mm. Certainly, I, I thought the Michigan game earlier this season, he totally outcoached Jim Harbaugh. And, and certainly early in the game, it, it's the, the, the thing that Notre Dame need to do in this game is get ahead early. I'm not sure whether they're built to, to play from no, behind against yeah. Clemson. So I would say that Kelly has a chance to do that because I think, you know, think of Gary Kubiak when he was an NFL head coach, how Denver's scripted first few series would always look so crisp, so good, and it would always, it would show the game plan and the and a, a good coach might catch up with them later on in the game. But sometimes, I think of the AFC Championship game in Peyton Manning's last season, where, you know, they, they jumped out into a 14-0 lead against New England and that was enough to win the game. And I could see potentially something like that happening because if if they could get Dexter Williams going with a lead, then Notre Dame have a real mm. chance in this game. I think I think two very important players are Jerry Tillery and Christian Wilkins, two the two defensive tackles, in terms of shutting down the run game. Big onus now on on Wilkins to have a you know a career yeah. game, and he has been phenomenal. But without his big run stuffing partner next to him, also again, like you say, Mullen for Clemson at corner, Julian Love on the other side. For, for me, I think it comes down to to that group of receivers, T Higgins and Justin Ross and Amari Rogers and Hunter Renfro up against, <clears throat> excuse me, up against Julian Love and, and Troy Pride and Alohi Gilman and Jalen Elliott. And I think, I think the nickelback, Nick Coleman, his battle against whoever he goes up and likely to be Renfro, I think will be critical to the game because I think that if, if Lawrence can get the running game going, can establish the run with ETN and, and, and Tavian Feaster and, and, and Adam Choice, I think that's going to open up the passing game and it's going to put real pressure on a good Notre Dame secondary. But I just wonder if they've got enough to cover all those guys that, that, that Clemson have. What, what's your prediction, Matt? Give us a score prediction before we get to a Oklahoma. I, 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 I think Clemson will just win. But, I mean, I think the spread is about two, 14 points. I, I definitely think Notre Dame would, would cover that. I think it'll be a close game. Renfro, to me, is the difference in the game. Mm. He's so clutch, isn't he? I mean, a guy oh, like that, he's been there and done it in national championship games. And for, for a team that is really young, particularly an offence that is really young, a guy like that, I think, is absolutely huge. I think I'd, I, I think I'd be inclined, perhaps, to go sort of 31-24, 31-21 in, in favour of Clemson. I think if um, if Trevor Lawrence is on, uh, you know, and they can keep him upright and uh, keep Aquara and, and Tillery at bay, I think they should have enough. And I think Travis Etienne will be will be massive as well. Let's get to the other game. Uh, just absolutely mouthwatering. Oklahoma against Alabama, which I suspect will be won by Alabama in part because Oklahoma simply cannot stop anybody. Um uh, and it feels like every time Alabama, ha you know, it feels like Oklahoma are going to have to score every single time they get the ball because it feels like they're not going to be able to stop Alabama every time the Crimson Tide have the ball. Is that how you, is that how you see it? Uh, provided two is healthy, 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's just had a surgery on his ankle, so that, that's not a that's not a sure thing. But you know, the the only thing I would say for Oklahoma's defense, it's bad, but it's got you know, in terms of from from a, the perspective of thinking about Tour and whether he is healthy, it's got a lot of big men on it still. You know, all of the kids on that defense, similar to any of these blue blood programs, and the big, highly recruited guys. So one thing they could do is. When they get to tour, is cause them some some big problems with the hits and everything else. But I just I just don't see how Oklahoma can cover these receivers. Right. I just don't think they have a chance to. I mean, I, I actually think this might be one of the best receiving corps I've ever seen that, that Alabama have now. Mm. I mean, everything they do is is amazing. But their receivers are so so good, and I agree with you. I think I, I'm not sure Alabama can stop Oklahoma either, but I think they can stop them a little bit more then Oklahoma can stop Bama, and I think that'll be the difference. I'm I'm so glad now, almost, that Michigan lost to Ohio State because as much as I'm a Michigan fan, because I just I'm so excited to watch these two quarterbacks mm. go at it. I mean, it's just everything that you want in a in a matchup and everything you want in a college football matchup. I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. But the interesting part is, I mean, people use Nick Saban's record against these Heisman Trophy transcendent dual threat guys is a stick to beat them with when it's you know the only quarterbacks that have beat them have been those Heisman quarterback winning dual threat guys but you know Kyler Murray is one of those guys so it it would take an epic performance from Murray but based on everything that he's done in college and the stories that you read in high school these are the kind of occasions he he turns up and delivers another one for. If Oklahoma are to win, they need to get at least two turnovers for me and not mm. turn the ball over themselves. I think that's the key. I mean, they're not going to stop Alabama, but a way to stop them and get yourself an extra possession or two is to turn them over. Mm. I think uh, prediction-wise, what are you going for? I, I'm going to. I mean, I think it'll be hugely high-scoring, and I suspect it'll be something like fifty-two. 35 in favour of Alabama. <laughs> I was just going to say fifty-two thirty-five. Oh, genuinely. I, I kid you not. Scary. That is, accurate what I was going to say there you go you should be able to see all these games on ESPN player Um, it's uh, Clemson Notre Dame is the first game isn't it Matt 9.30 I think UK time and then 1.30 for for Alabama and Oklahoma just fascinating fascinating matchups I I can't think I'd be more excited for a a final four in a long time especially as you're going to get the Heisman Trophy one and two up against each other in the second game Uh, we shall be back uh, with a preview of all the New Year's Day games, all this massive bowl matchups, LSU, UCF, everything else that you could think of, Texas, Georgia, um, we shall have them in our next episode. So look out for that. Thanks, Matthew. Let's uh, speak again soon. Fill the trolley with your favourite brands on rollback at Asda. A 38 pack of fairy non bio capsules was £8.50, now £5.75. And Lenore Gold Fabric Conditioner was £4, now £2.50. Big brands, small prices. Don't compromise. Asda, save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Lenore 1.925 litres, ends 18th of March.